missed all of you last week. I was sick uh, watching from home, and it was awesome to be able to do that, but definitely miss being here. Uh, I was really grateful that Paco was able to fill in. Uh, literally last minute, I talked to him the day before. Um, I know that he was very entertaining, very exciting. Um, I know, like, we forgot to tell him that, like, there's these two black strips of tape on the floor that you can't see, and it's for the per- speaker. Like, for me, I stand here because I know that this is where the camera angle is for watching online, and Paco didn't know that, and so he's all over the place, and Cody was, like, trying to keep up with him, and so, but uh, really grateful. Uh, that he was here and grateful that he was able to fill in, but um, it's awesome to be back. Um, I do want to say with the chili cook-off coming, I just feel like this is really important to get this across to everybody, especially from anybody that's holding bitterness from last year or whatever like that. <laughs> I want to make it clear that Ed and I are going to be judging, not participating in the chili cook-off this year. We want all of you to have a chance, all right? So... Uh, so just so you know that that's what's going to be happening. So everybody's fair game now, taking the best out of the equation and making it where everybody else can do their thing. So um, we're very much looking forward to that. You know, we had a great uh, training day yesterday with some of the different ministries. And thanks to Ed and Hannah for organizing that and running it. And um, one of the things that I shared with everybody there, and I was like, kind of was in this on the moment kind of a thing. And it made me think about coming in this morning, like, yeah, kind of say that to everybody. Um, you know, you've been here for, if this is your first time with us, we're super grateful for that and hope that you're able to connect and, um, and just this become your church family, your community away from maybe wherever you're from, and you're able to get encouraged and connected and planted here. You know, if you've been here for a while, you've heard, you've heard the same welcome. You've, it's, you know, it's, you've, some of these things you've heard before. So it's like, what do I do when they're talking about 25 locations or this, that type of a thing? And um, when I, I remember when I was in elementary, junior high school, I went to a private Christian school, and my uh, soccer coach was my science teacher, and he was just a big mentor in my life. And at any time he ever spoke to the school, any time he ever did anything where he was going to talk about Jesus, he always held up a card like this. And can you read that from wherever you're at? Maybe not in the back, but it says, the part you can read is Pray. And on the part you can't see is the part I'm reading, and it says preach. And every time, he, every time he got up to speak, he always took out of the Bible, he took out that card, he held it up. And anybody that knew what it was knew that what he was saying is, you need to be praying right now for this message that God would, hear, that God would speak through, whoever's, who's through me speaking, but you would pray that people would hear, that you would hear, that we would receive what God has, and you need to pray for me, and I need to know that I'm coming, being God's voice to do that. I always just thought that was a really cool reminder. And now that I'm kind of in this spot, like it's, hey, you should be praying. And praying for yourself and praying for this church and praying for this community, that God would speak and that God would grow and that he would make us all more and more in his image because we all have something to do within this. And we need to really become more and more and more of a praying church. And so when, whether it's me or Paco or anybody else, when somebody steps up here, Does that make sense? And so, uh, for whatever that's worth, why don't we do that then and ask God to speak? God, we thank you so much for the fact uh, that we can be a part of this community. We thank you for the fact that you make a church and that you bring us together and that we are one with you. And because of who we are with you, we are then connected with one another. I pray that you would encourage us this morning. I pray that you would challenge us, that we would walk out of here a little more like you, Lord. Um, that we would see the reality of your goodness and your love and your care for us, and that we would desire to be more like you. 
And so I pray that you would speak. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Join me in Matthew 28. Matthew 28. This is on page 835 in the Pew Bible. So if you want to turn to there, if you don't, um, you know, if you have a Bible, turn to that, click to it. Uh, You can use the Bible in the Pew. I'll have it up on the screen as well, but I think it's good to follow along. While you're turning there, have you ever been part of something that you thought, uh, what in the world is this about? Not really sure what's going on right now. Maybe you were partway through a meeting at work and ever wondered, what are we talking about? Has anybody ever been in that work meeting? Like, what is this about? Or maybe you're ha- a quarter of the way, third of the way through a book or a show and you're like trying to still figure out what the plot is or what is this all happening? Or someone has just been rambling on for a few minutes and you're thinking, what are they talking about? None of you better be thinking that right now. Okay, just give, give me a chance. Clarity is important. Understanding combats confusion. Defined purpose helps us focus. We need to know what we're about in order to know what we should be doing. Let me say that one again. We need to know what we're about in order to understand what we should be doing. Josiah, our lead pastor at New Life, presented a couple weeks ago this idea of all hands on deck. Uh, He was speaking to the number of baptisms that have happened over the last year and the number of people the church has been connecting with and able to serve. And he made this statement that we believe that a harvest is coming. He quoted Matthew 9 from that. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And the vision that was given is just really this idea that we need to be ready for the harvest as it comes. That Hence this call of all hands on deck. We want to be part of what God is doing. And so as we kind of unpack this idea of on hands on deck, one of the things I've been thinking about this last week is if we're talking about getting ready for a harvest, do we know what we're talking about when we say harvest? Do we know, understand the idea of a harvest that is coming, of being part of what God is doing? And to, if we're going to be fully committed, what is it that we're committing to or should be commuting, being committed to? And so what do we mean by a harvest? The passage that we're going to look at today is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. And I think that this makes it really clear what it is that we are all hands on deck for. Uh, What we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be about. It says in verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is a, all of Scripture is important. All of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture is the Word of God. This is one of those kind of foundational passages that helps us know what does it mean to be the people of God. And in it, we have this idea that Jesus entrusts us with the mission to make disciples. Jesus entrusts you and I with the mission to make disciples. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, make disciples. Have you ever heard the idea of an elevator speech or elevator pitch or something like that? Um, A Princeton article I read defined it as a brief way of introducing yourself, getting across a key point or two, and making a connection with people. Uh, Another site defined it as its primary purpose is to quickly capture the listener's attention and leave a memorable impression. It's supposed to happen, be able to happen really quick, hence the idea of the elevator. I should be able to get across an elevator ride, who I am, what it's about, and what's going on. 
I think, I, you know, kind of looking at a couple of these over this last week, the best elevator speech I found was this one. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepared to die. I mean, how much more succinct can you get? And the guy, I found this, Inigo's Guide to Networking Success. Polite greeting, giving my name, relevant personal link, and manage expectations. That's it. I mean, that's perfect. So again, if you, there's helpful life guidance in The Princess Bride, for whatever that's worth for you. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, what would be the elevator pitch? What would be the elevator speech of being a Christian? This passage tells us, be followers of Jesus who make new followers of Jesus. Be a follower of Jesus that makes new followers of Jesus. That's the goal. That's the mission. That's what we are to be about. Be a follower of the Lord and help other people become followers of the Lord. Yes, there's a lot more involved, but that's the main thing. And the main thing is the main thing that we need to be focused on. It's the ultimate thing. Be a follower and make followers. Be a disciple. Be a follower of Jesus and make other followers of Jesus. Live the life that you've been given and share what you've been given with others. Make other followers. This is the mission that we have been given by the authority of Jesus. This is the commission. This is the idea of all hands on deck. This is what we're on hands, all hands on deck for, is to be the followers who are making new followers. And so don't miss that idea. A follower of Jesus that isn't making followers of Jesus isn't being a follower of Jesus. Somebody who says that they're a follower of Jesus but isn't making new followers of Jesus isn't being a follower of Jesus because he tells us, my followers make new followers. This mission is the main thing, and Jesus has given us this mission. He says, all authority and all creation is mine. All authority has been given to me, and I'm telling you to go and do this. This isn't optional. This isn't just some marketing slogan on some mailer you got in the mail that you can toss because it's not really relevant. No, God himself is telling us as his people, be a follower and go make other followers. We have been told by God himself that he wants us to do this. And this mission is the main thing. It also permeates all that we do, everywhere we go, and every person we interact with. Go make disciples. This doesn't mean that in order to make disciples, you have to go and buy a plane ticket and go to another country, even though that that should happen in some people's lives. As you go, wherever you're at, you should be making disciples. Within the natural rhythms of your life, within the natural, whatever you're doing, you are a disciple who are interacting with other people that Jesus loves and wants to know and wants them to understand who he is and wants them to have the life that he's given you. There isn't anyone that you see walking this earth that Jesus doesn't love. And there isn't anyone that you interact with on this world that Jesus doesn't want a relationship with. And his plan A of letting them know that is you and I. Being a follower, we have to be the followers of Jesus and help make other followers of Jesus. So disciple making isn't an event. 
It's not something that we just schedule. It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle, and it impacts everything about us. We are called to reproduce and replicate ourselves, meaning our commitments, passions, zeals, and obedience to God, that people would see the love of God in us and desire that as well. The mission must grab us at our core so that as we go, we go with purpose. Every person we meet is somebody that Jesus loves, and we need to share the love of God with them. So if you are a follower of Jesus, this is your main focus. You, your job might be in finance, in government, in marketing, in whatever it is, but your goal at that job is to be a follower of Jesus who makes new follower of Jesus. Your job might be in some other field. You might be a student in class. You might be walking your neighborhood. But whatever you're doing, your goal is to be a follower of Jesus who makes new followers of Jesus. And everything that we do and everything that we are. This is the mission. When we say a harvest is coming, it's the belief that God, the way that the, our world is, the way that our culture is, the things that are going on, their people are hungry for the Lord. There is a desire and a thought, people contemplating who they are in the midst of what is happening. An idea of, it says in Ecclesiastes, that God has uh, he has made everything beautiful within its time. And he talks about the idea that uh, we cannot figure out eternity on our own. And the idea of that is that what it means to be human is to try to figure out how do I fit within space and time, but realizing there's more than me than the space and time I find myself in. And people within the shaking it up with as far as the pandemic and government and politics and racial tensions and all the craziness that happens in our country. People are looking at themselves and saying, is there more to life than what I'm seeing? Is there more going on than what I'm told I need to acquire and have? And even I have some of these things and my soul still isn't where it needs to be. Think about the number of celebrities that we hear talk about that I've gotten everything, but I'm still miserable. And there's a desire for more. What is the thing that gives me peace to soul? Our world and our culture are asking that question regardless if it seems like it. And people are searching for God whether they want to admit it. And for whatever reason, that's happening in a really powerful way right now because of the things that are happening in our world. And we see that. So we say, okay, if God is priming the pump of people's hearts to question him, then we want to be a part of bringing the love of God to them as they're wondering about him. Our job is to show people exactly who Jesus is like, that they would see the love of God within us, and that we would share the love of God with them and invite them into this life. Be a follower so that people can see what God is like, but then introduce them to Jesus so they can become followers as well. That's our job. I, I've been doing this long enough that anytime at any point somebody says, I just don't understand what the vision is. I don't understand what this is all about. This is the passage I would take them to. If you need some marketing gimmick to put it on this to make it where that's exciting for you, that's fine. But at the end of the day, the Christian that says we don't know what the church is about has forgotten the commission because this is what it's all about. We are to be disciples, live the life of following Jesus and make other disciples so people could have the life in Jesus. Anything else is just making that look interesting, as if it wasn't interesting enough. Does this make sense? Our goal 
our vision that we have been entrusted, mission that we have been entrusted with by the Lord is that we would be his followers who make new followers. Now, Jesus makes it very clear what a disciple is. He makes it very clear what a disciple is. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Understanding and managing expectations is one of the biggest things that's necessary in relationships. I remember when I was a youth pastor, and I'm trying to remember this now, as I parent teenagers, I would have parents that would come up to me and say, oh, I'm just so frustrated that my teen is doing this or not doing this. And I would always say the same thing. Do they know that that's what you want them to do, or do they know that that's not what you want them to do? Well, I mean, yeah, but they should just know. I'm like, ah, but they clearly don't, because we're talking about this. Have you made it very clear what you expect of them? Like, I expect this, or I don't expect this. Because if you haven't, the problem isn't in them, the problem is in you. You need to be more clear about what you expect and not expect. And I can't tell you how many times Jeanette and I have said to Jeanette, what did we tell the parents? And we keep reminding ourselves of that. Jesus makes it really clear what his expectations are. To be a follower, to make new followers, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He, know, he makes this really clear what his expectations are. Being a follower and making a follower involves baptizing and teaching. And we can see why these are so important when we consider other things that are said in the Gospel, of Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew. This idea of baptizing, what is that about? It's not simply about the act of going underwater and coming up out of water, even though that's the act of baptism, but what is the significance of that? But who I follow and what I identify in. Following an identity. It says in Matthew 4, 17, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, Jesus, the idea of repent is that there's all these other ideas as far as how life works, how to make life happen, who you're following, who you're identifying with. To repent is to say, I'm turning away from all of those things and focusing on Jesus. I've been, I've been trying all these other options. I've been looking to all these other things. It might be a job. It might be a relationship. It might be a new gadget. It might be myself. It might be pleasure. It might be whatever. All these things to try to make my life work. But to repent is to say I'm turning away from all of those things and focusing my life on him. I'm putting, we talk about putting my faith in Jesus isn't just this cognitive, I understand this about him, but it's a position of my heart saying who I am is aligned with who he is. The allegiance of my heart is focused on Jesus. I'm identifying with him and no one else. Two people come up and get married. They say their vows to one another. They're saying no to everybody else. And they're saying yes to this person. When we repent and we put our faith in Jesus, we're saying no to everything else. And we're saying yes to him. Baptism, in the same way a couple will come up and exchange their vows and exchange rings, baptism is the ring. Baptism is a public profession of what has happened in your life. I want people to know I am a follower of Jesus. I want people to know I am part of the family of God. 
who I am. I am somebody who has surrendered my life to Jesus. I am somebody that follows him. He is not part of my life. He is my life. In baptism, we are publicly declaring that. And so to be a disciple, to be a follower, to make disciples, if I'm being a disciple, it's I'm saying I am that type of a follower. To make a new disciple is to help them see their need for the Lord and him alone, that they would make that decision of the heart themselves. Baptism is saying I have turned away from any other person, perceived entity, power, role, whatever it is, myself, and turning to Jesus. I am a follower of him. Teaching is growth and lifestyle. Pro growth process of learning about the Lord and what life with him looks like. Not merely information, but about practice and lifestyle. He says in Matthew 7 at the end of his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise person who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That passage goes on and talks about not building on the rock and building on the sand and not having the good foundation. And when the rain comes, it falls. But his whole point is, I've given you this teaching. I've given you this way of life. I've told you who I am and I've told you what that life looks like. So build your life on it. Live your life based on what I'm telling you. That's the idea of teaching. Not that we're just relaying information, even though the information is incredibly important, but that we're putting this life in practice. I come to the Bible, I come to the scriptures, not to just learn all this stuff about God so that I can win a Bible trivia contest, because that is as lame as it sounds. I, I come to the Bible, I learn the scriptures, because I want to know what does it mean to be a person who follows the Lord. He's telling me, this is who I am, this is what I'm like, this is how I want you to be. I want to know that. I want to understand him more. I want to understand this life with him more. I want to do those things because I see how much he's given me. I see this life that he is, and I want to honor that and be grateful for that. So followers of Jesus build their lives on the rock. They build their lives on who he is and the scriptures, the teachings which he's given us. So to be a follower is to say, I'm going to become more and more like Jesus. And the only way I can become more and more like Jesus is to understand Jesus. And to understand Jesus, I need to be in his word as an individual and with the family he's put me within. Does that make sense? And so I, baptism, I am somebody who is a follower of the Lord. Teaching, I'm learning and growing within this life that I have with the Lord. It's important to know what's expected so that we can be clear about what we're to be doing, but also not be doing. Making disciples involves sharing people with, sharing Jesus with people. At the end of the day, we need to be, now let me just qualify and clarify what I'm saying. I am not in any way saying the church should just be about how many conversions do we have? Did we get people to say yes? Did they get in the tank? And who cares what happens with them afterwards? Do we, can we just say we have this number of people? That is horrible, and that's not how it works. We want to be serving people. We want to be loving people, even if they reject the Lord. 
Because to be a follower of Jesus is to come alongside people regardless of who they are. It's to love the communities where we're at. It's to be a part of the communities where we're at. It's to show the love of God without qualification. So even if somebody is antagonistic toward me, as far as my faith, I'm not going to be antagonistic back toward them because I'm not of this world. I'm of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God people don't act that way. And so I'm going to be a follower of the Lord, and that means I'm going to be someone that shows Jesus regardless of what anybody does. But being a follower of the Lord is I want them to understand who Jesus is and I want them to find that life with him. And I can't do that simply by only living the life. I also have to be able to tell about the life. Show and tell is very boring if all you do is hold up the toy and you never talk about it. Remember kindergarten? We all want, I mean, that would be great. Wouldn't it be, we should just have that as an event. We're going to just do lunch and everybody do show and show and tell and everybody bring their favorite thing and we talk about it. You know that half of you would be like, you're already at looking at your calendar going, what's the date? That would be awesome because we have this love for show and tell. But we go back to that day and remember what it was. It wasn't just that I brought this thing to the class. It was, I got to talk about it. And there's a reality that some of us say that we love Jesus, but based on how we talk about him, we really wouldn't know. Do, pe- does, do people know that you're a Jesus person? Now, of course, in our day and age today, we want to qualify that with people. I'm a person, a Jesus person a way that our world works and the way that our news broadcasts, there's some people out there who say they're Jesus people who are not Jesus people. And it comes across really crazy and anti-gospel and anti-God. So we want to qualify and the fear of not being associated with them should not have us not talk about the fact that we're Jesus people. It should anything, it's more of important to say that we're a Jesus person because we want people to see what a Jesus person who's following the word of God actually looks like. We have to be able to talk about Jesus. And again, that's something that we can learn how to do, grow in, strategize about what's the best way or the wrong, not as good of a way, whatever that might be. But at the end of the day, if we're not talking about Jesus, then we're not doing what a follower is supposed to do. We have to be the disciples who are showing the love, but we also have to be talking about it. And so we have to evaluate within our own lives. We think about sharing Jesus, but we also have to sharing the Lord and helping people grow in him. That people come to know the Lord, but are they then developing? Are they growing? Are they learning the word? Are they in community? Are they using their gifts? Are they being part of what God is doing? We want to help people in that process as well. <clears throat> Excuse me little residuals from last weekend. So that's the thing that we have to evaluate our own hearts with, that the idea of being a disciple is that I have been baptized, I've identified publicly that I am a follower of the Lord, and I'm being taught, I'm growing more in him. Is that true about you? Are you somebody that has said, I am a follower of Jesus? We, you've been baptized, I have done this, At the end of the day, you have to make that decision before the Lord. And I can't make that for you, but I can tell you all I can do is present to you what the scriptures say. It talks about people putting their trust in Jesus, putting their faith in Jesus, and once they believe, they get baptized. 
And so you, if you're somebody that says, well, I mean, I've always just kind of grown up around Jesus and my parents kind of did this and we always were in church. The Bible doesn't talk about that stuff. It says a person put their faith in the Lord and then they got baptized. Has there been a time in your life where you've said, I am putting my faith in him? I, I, I know that there's some spouses that don't remember their wedding date, but I'm not that spouse. August 21st, 1999. Boom, right there. I know the day I stood across from that woman back there and said, I do, and I said no to everybody else. Not that there was anybody else like fighting or anything like that. <laughs> type of thing. I know when that happened. I'm sorry. But the way that I look at it is to say, if I'm a follower of Jesus, you know that that happened. I don't know the specific day that that happened, but I know that I was between eighth grade and ninth grade at summer camp with our youth group. And I stood, sat there with my youth pastor, Tracy, and I was telling him about just things that were going on. And he said, you know, you've been around church for a while, but have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have you begun following Jesus? And I said, no, I haven't done that. And that was when I began following Jesus. And then later I got baptized have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you been baptized to say that? No. Well, then you're not a follower of the Lord. So let today be the day that that begins. Let today be the day I put my faith in Jesus on March, February, no, oh, way too excited. February, <laughs> February 11th, 2024. And we're doing baptisms on March 10th. And I'm going to get baptized on March 10th. No more excuses, no more, but I mean, I don't really know, or my parents. Be an adult, make a decision, put your faith in the Lord. And I say it strong that way because there have been excuses. There's been kind of like fiddling around and all this thing. We have to, this is serious. This isn't something to procrastinate on. This isn't something to push back. It's something to figure out. And if you're right, not, not ready now, that's fine. That's great. But what is keeping you from him? What is the thing keeping you from trusting the Lord and being a follower of the Lord? Well, I have this question or I have this concern. Well, then let's talk about that. Let's figure that out. Let's read about that. Let's have discussions about that. But it can't be a journey of procrastination because God has so much for you and he has this life that you are longing for and you're right there. It's time to put your trust in him, to believe in the Lord and be baptized, to begin growing in him and learning about this amazing life that he has for you. Jesus makes it really clear what a disciple is. And for some of you, you know that that's you. For some of you, it's like, well, to let now be the time that we figure that out. And if you're in here and you're like, ah, I got dragged here. I, don't, I think this Jesus stuff is weird. I'm super glad that you're here because I really do hope that you would stick around and that you would be able to see these people and see that there, there is weirdness in this place, but there's not Jesus weirdness in this place. And so some of the things that we see, unfortunately, in our news reports of Christians doing things Christians should be about, I can tell you this place, we are doing everything we can to not be like that. Because we want to be people who are focused on the Lord, living by the word of God not focused on some worldly thing, living by worldly values, and then tacking Jesus onto it. 
And so I pray if you are in here and you're checking things out, don't let today be the only day you check things out. I pray that you get to know some people here and connect with people here and people just like you who are struggling through life and trying to figure it out, what does it mean to live in Chicago right now and everything like that, but they're doing it with Jesus. And I hope and pray you see something different because the thing that you're going to see different in their life, I know is the thing missing in yours. And so I pray that you do stick around and see him. Jesus makes it really clear what a disciple is. The thing I, as far as making disciples, I think it's also really important to clarify, this isn't just my job. It's not Bobby's job. It's not the leadership's job. This is the, he said this to the church. In fact, Paul says this in Ephesians, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The any of the leadership or any of the functions that we have in church are not ends to themselves. They're to build up the rest of the church that builds up the body of Christ. And so the idea of helping one another and growing one another and growing in faith and helping one another learn how to share faith and engage the world and learn the scriptures, that's a us thing, not just a me thing. That's an all of us and hence why we need to be growing and learning in him. So this is where it gets real. Who's the one person in your life that doesn't know Jesus that you need to begin really praying that they would find Jesus? That's the first step. Who is the person in your life that doesn't know Jesus that you need to begin praying every day that they find Jesus? And the way that they find Jesus might be through him using you in their life. It might be through somebody else. But who's the one person that every day you need to begin praying that they would find life in Jesus? And let me tell you how the spirit works. The name that popped in your head, that's the person. And so don't push that out. Don't try to figure out somebody. Whoever just came in your mind when I said all that last couple seconds, that's the person. And so you need to be praying that they would come to know the Lord. You also need to be praying that God would give you sensitivity to the impromptu moments where you can talk about him. It doesn't mean you have to have a master's or a doctorate in theology. It doesn't mean you have to have read the entire Bible. It doesn't mean that you have to be an expert in all of it. It means you have to be like the blind guy in the Gospel of John who told some people, like, I don't know what you think about him, but all I know is I used to be like this, but because of him, now I'm like this. Because of him, I have found forgiveness, and because of him, I know peace, and because of him, I know community, and I know purpose, beyond just even the way that our world tries to mimic those things. I used to be like this. I used to be blind, but now I see. What are the moments, God, give me a moment where I can tell my story about you. We need to be praying for those things. Jesus gives us a mission to make disciples. He makes it really clear what a disciple is. And the, I know that that can be very overwhelming. And so this last part is of utmost importance. Know that Jesus is always with you as you share him with others. It says at the end of this again, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And again, it might feel very overwhelming. We feel inadequate. We feel ill-equipped. We might be like, who am I? And really, if you're saying, who am I, you understand the gospel. Because the truth is, is it's not about me, it's about him. And he has forgiven me, he has restored me, he has given me new life. And it's not about me, it's about him working through me. 
God, use me that people would know you. God, help me to be the one that can share you with others. It has to help change our thinking. I, you have to know that as you go, Jesus is with you. I'm not really one for Christian cheese. If anybody knows me, I have a very strong aversion to Christian cheesy things. Um, but this picture, I thought, really hit well this idea of what this passage is saying. You need to know that there isn't any situation that you're in that you're alone. There isn't anything that you're going through in life that you're, you are never, if you are a follower of the Lord, you are never alone. And he tells us that. If he tells us that within the mission that he's given us, he's not going to leave you in anything else. Because what does he tell us? The mission of being a disciple who makes disciples is an all-the-time thing. I'm always a follower, and I should always be thinking of how do I share others. So that means, I mean, I know I'm a Bible guy, but I didn't do math, but that makes it pretty clear. The math is he's always with me. There's nothing that he's, not, he's apart from you on. There's never a moment where Jesus leaves your side. And I hope that encourages you. There's never a moment when you're alone and Jesus leaves your side. He is always with you. And so in the moment when you feel inadequate, you don't know what to say, you don't know what's going on or whatever, you know who's with you to talk to and trust and rely on. God, help me to have the words. Help me to have confidence. Help me to know what to say. Help me to be the person you've made me to be. He is always with you as you live as a follower who's trying to make other followers. All hands-on-deck people are people on mission. So do we need to make sure that we're on mission, being followers who are making new followers? I want you to think about um, driving down I-55. Sorry to stress you out right there, that long pause. Um, driving down 55 south in the morning, like 9, 10 o'clock. Typically, that would not be a time where there's a lot of traffic, Right? at least going southbound. It would, northbound, sure, it's going to be a parking lot. But going southbound, it shouldn't be. And then you get to the point where it's a parking lot. Have you ever been on 55 or the Dan Ryan or any of them, and you're like, it shouldn't be like this right now. And it's a parking lot. Why are we crawling? Who's ever had that moment? And then as you kind of crawl along and your sanctification is being threatened and you're getting frustrated, <laughs> maybe that's just me because I really am bad at traffic, you get to this point where you realize there's an accident in the other lane. It's not even in your lane. But what is everybody doing? <laughs> Gaping at the thing. And I know that you do it because I do it. You're frustrated. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Then you get up to it and you're like, oh, look at that. And you do the thing that you just got really mad about. Who? Come on, be honest. Who's done it, right? You should, we, and the whole point, we, we're getting so frustrating. It's like, we should just be driving, not staring off on this other thing. The reality is, as far as the church is concerned, about the people of God, very too much we should be on mission. And we're gaping at some other thing. We're off, we're off focus. We're staring off at something that doesn't have anything to do with us. Or maybe shouldn't have anything to do with us. And we're going slow the journey isn't as it should be. We're stalled out, not because of the journey Jesus has us on, but because we're not focused on the journey that Jesus has us on. We need to stop gaping at the things around us, the distractions, 
and get on mission and focus on what God has us for. And the focus is be disciples who make disciples. And so to be on mission, to not gape, to not be distracted, what's the big thing that you need to do hearing today's message? For some of you, it's putting your faith in Jesus. It's realizing the reality that, you know what, I, I've been avoiding this. I've been relying on my parents' faith or just being around church stuff, and I've never put my faith in him. That Romans says that whoever believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth, calls on the Lord. I've never said he is Lord in my life, and I need to do that today. That, if that's, that has to happen before anything else happens. And maybe that's the thing for you today is uh, to February 11th needs to be my day. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Maybe your thing is to get baptized. You said, I've put my faith in Jesus. I need to take that public step of obedience to publicly profess, I am a follower of the Lord. Not use this language of, oh, I just like, kind of always followed him or that wasn't my church's thing. I need to be obedient to what the scriptures talk about. Somebody is believes and then they're baptized. And if that's you, we are, baptisms are going to happen March 10th. And just so you know, we've made a change. We talked about this last year. We do feel it's important that when people get baptized, that they share their story of how they came to know the Lord. However, baptism shouldn't mean that you're a public speaker. And we know that for some, that's just not your thing. And I respect that 100%. And so one of the things that we're doing now is that if you want to write out your story, we can just share it with people that way. Or if you want to do a video, those are options as well. So don't let the fact you don't want to share in front of people be the thing that hinders you from being baptized because we're taking that out, that hindrance away. You can be baptized and not be a public speaker. Does that make sense? And so if you know that that's a step that you need to take, March 10th is the next time we're doing it. It's not going to be the only ever time we never do it. But maybe that's time just to stop putting it off and do it March 10th. Maybe it's growing in community. I, I mean, I, I come here, I sit here, but then when it's over, I leave. I don't know very, I know very few people's names, let alone what's going on with them. And so maybe it's an issue of getting connected, serving with people, uh, being part of a group, going to events. If this, uh, being part of a church isn't about entering the building, it's about the people you're walking with. And so maybe that's the thing. And again, think through this. You know that this is your community when you can check your pronouns. And I'm, let me be appropriate when I say that. Do you say your church or do you say my church? Whenever somebody says, hey, you know, at your church, I'm like, you've been here for like six months. At my church. When you talk about New Life Lincoln Park, do you say my church? Let this be your church. And if it's your church, be connected in your church. Maybe your step is sharing Jesus with somebody. Not just praying for them, but you need to have a conversation with them. Maybe you need to invite them to come and see what's happening here, but you're sharing the Lord with them. Or maybe your step is, I need to begin making a conscious effort to learning more about my faith, about the scriptures, about the Lord, so that I can make sure I'm growing in him. And maybe that's being part of a life group. Maybe it's taking some of the time that we put into Netflix and shows and other things and reading or watching something that can help me learn about my faith. 
but making a conscious effort to grow and then helping other people grow as well. Here's the thing. There is no one in this room, myself included, that isn't up on that screen. Every single one of us can point to one of those things and go, that's my step. And none of us, if, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus who says, I'm trying to grow in him, there's nothing up there that you can avoid. There has to be one of them. And so it's just being honest about that. What is your next step in being a follower of him? On the connection card that you have, it says on there, I need to trust, I'm trusting in Jesus, or I have questions about trusting in Jesus. It talks about getting baptized. You need to fill that out, check that, and we'll follow up with you. We're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about what is this more idea of being part of community looks like. And so getting involved, getting connected, we're going to be talking about those things. But whatever your step is, you can't ignore that. You've got to take that step of obedience and whatever the Lord is laying on your heart. We're going to end today by receiving communion. And so I'm going to ask the uh, team if they can begin passing out the elements.